Sunday evening, we have been going through the book of Joshua. Uh, Dr. James Montgomery Boyce has been helping me a great deal in uh, leading us through the uh, book of Joshua. He will be helping me a great deal again this morning as we consider uh, Joshua chapter 7. Uh, please uh, turn in a Bible to Joshua chapter 7. I'm going to read now the first 12 verses from the uh, New International Version, from the uh, original New International Version. And as we uh, go into the sermon, we will uh, be looking at other verses in Joshua chapter 7 as well, reading them and explaining them. But for right now, uh, once again, the Word of God, Joshua chapter 7, verses 1 through 12, will be read. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the people will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take it, and do not weary all the people, for only a few men are there. So about 3,000 men went up. But they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh Lord, what can I say? Now that Israel has been routed by its enemies, the Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. 
They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen, they have lied, they have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. The Word of God. Paul has uh, led us in prayer for uh, the time of uh, the sermon uh, this morning. And not that the Lord has not heard Paul. I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has heard us as we have joined Paul. Let's, uh, let's give thanks to the Lord that uh, he will be with us now during this sermon. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, we have come to you and have asked for your grace for this time to be with me, to be with all of us, to uh, bring honor to yourself. Uh, we thank you that you hear the prayers of your people, that our, uh, our prayers are not empty, they're not vain. You love us, you tell us to come to you, and you receive what it is we say to you. So again, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time and for what you will do for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone has said, what a short step there is between a great victory and a great defeat. One moment we are riding high on the cloud of some great spiritual success. The next moment we are plunged into the dark valley of some grim spiritual failure. One moment, we are Elijah standing on Mount Carmel, calling down fire on God's altar. The next moment, we are Elijah at Horeb complaining to God, I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me as well. It is that way in the beginning of the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 6, you'll remember from last Sunday evening, is the story of the victory of the armies of Israel at Jericho. Joshua chapter 7 is the story of the defeat of Israel at the city of Ai. Today, we are going to take up three questions concerning Israel's defeat at Ai. Each question will begin with the word, what? Here is question number one. Here is point number one. What brought about Israel's defeat at Ai? What caused Israel to go from great victory at Jericho to terrible defeat at Ai? 
I have read that Bible commentators have offered several explanations. Some have suggested that the Israelites were too self-confident. They fell because they were too self-assured. That idea is one of the comments a football coach made about his team when they lost to a lesser football team after a great victory the week before. He said, the team didn't practice with focus and intensity. They failed to heed the coaching staff's warning. Too self-confident. Ai was a smaller city than Jericho. So the argument was advanced by the spies who had been sent out, Joshua 7, verse 3, not all the people will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take it and do not weary all the people, for only a few men are there. The people of Israel had forgotten that it was God who had delivered Jericho to them and not the Jewish troops. It was God who brought the victory at Jericho, not the armies of Israel. And so some commentators have said they were too self-confident. Other commentators have thought that the defeat at Ai was due to a lack of prayer. Quote, on this occasion, there is no mention of prayer, end quote. That seems to be the reason for the disciples deserting the Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Lord had said to at least some of them, Matthew 26, verse 41, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The disciples, however, didn't pray. And so we read in Matthew 26, verse 56, that when Jesus was seized and arrested, quote, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Other Bible commentators have thought that the lack of prayer by Israel, particularly on the part of Joshua, who should have consulted the Lord for the ordering of the battle at Ai, led to Israel's defeat at Ai. Apparently, Joshua did not pray. He just acted on the recommendations of his scouts. As we read the account of Israel's defeat at Ai, we sense that each of these elements might have indeed been present, as some commentators suggest. 
But these are not the reasons God himself gives for the disaster. God's explanation and the explanation that we are to take with us is there was sin in Israel's camp. Israel fell because of sin against God in her midst. Look with me at Joshua chapter 7, verse 7. After the defeat at Ai and the understandable dismay of Joshua, Joshua prostrated himself before the Lord and asked, verse 7 now, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? To this question, God replied, verses 10 through 12, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. I think here of Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. God takes sin seriously. Even if we do not, God does because sin is against him. Sin is rebellion. Sin is revolt against God. And the sin of taking what belonged to the Lord at Jericho was the real cause of defeat for God's people at Ai. What brought about her fall? Sin against God. There's a lesson here for us. Sin must not be tolerated in the Christian life. Sin dishonors God. Sin defeats us. Sin must not be tolerated in the Christian life. We see people in the church today who are living defeated and discouraged lives. Why? Because they have sinned and have not brought their sin to the Lord God for forgiveness and cleansing. Sin must not be tolerated in the Christian life. A certain man wanted to sell his house in Haiti for $2,000. Another man wanted to buy it, but because he was 
poor, he couldn't afford the full price. After much bargaining, the owner agreed to sell the house for half the original price with just one stipulation. He would retain ownership of one small nail protruding from just over the door. After several years, the original owner wanted the house back. But the new owner was unwilling to sell. So the first owner went out, found the carcass of a dead animal, and hung it from the single nail of the house. Soon, the house became unlivable, and the family was forced to sell the house to the owner of the nail. The moral of the parable is, if we leave the devil with even one small peg in our life, if we leave the devil with even one small sin in our life, he will go after it and take advantage of it. And we will experience defeat and discouragement. Ezekiel 18, verses 30 and 31. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed. When we sin, we must confess the sin. We must turn from the sin. We must rid ourselves of the sin and commit ourselves afresh to the Lord Jesus. Here is question number two. What was it that led Israel, specifically Achan, to this act of disobedience? What was it that prompted Achan to willfully take some of the plunder, some of the first fruits of the Lord? Let's say three things here. A. Achan was probably dissatisfied. He was probably dissatisfied with the way God had ordered the affairs of his life. It's true that God was in the process of leading Achan along with the other members of the nation into a new land of great wealth and opportunity. It's true, each family would experience Deuteronomy 15, verse 4. In the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess, he will richly bless you. But Achan's focus was not on the blessings that lay ahead. He was focused on the past. He was caught up with the seemingly little he had had up to that point. And so he 
perhaps thought, I've had enough of this life. The first chance I get, I'm going to get some things. And his dissatisfaction, which was itself a sin, gave birth to the disobedience of Joshua chapter 7. Dr. Boyce has said, this is usually the case. When Satan sinned by rebelling against God, it was dissatisfaction with his position in God's world that led him to it. When Eve sinned in the garden, it was with the thought in her mind that she would become like God, knowing good and evil. It was because the seed of dissatisfaction had been sowed in her heart. Dissatisfaction leads to disobedience. And so, my friends, we need to beware of discontentment. We need to strive for Christ's honor rather than our own. We need to be willing to achieve that end through whatever means God proposes for us. B, Achan coveted, Achan coveted the spoils of Jericho. He saw the gold, he saw the silver, he saw the beautiful garments, and oh, he had to have some. In his eyes, they were something, and oh, he had to have some. Look with me at verse 21 of Joshua 7. Joshua 7, verse 21, Achan is speaking. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Let's say the king of Prussia Mall, a large mall right outside of Philadelphia, if I know correctly, the second largest mall in the entire United States. Let's say the king of Prussia Mall is going to be destroyed by God. He is going to knock down its walls, and we are to go in and destroy everything. All the gold, all the silver are to be given to him, but we're to destroy everything else. The walls come down, and we're in the mall. And we see these clothes. We see this watch. We see some jewelry. We see a gaming device. I see some golf clubs. You see some, some books, some money. And oh, we must have some of these things. That's what took place with Achan. And because of covetousness, he disobeyed, 
He plunged all of Israel into defeat, which took the lives of about 36 soldiers. You shall not covet is one of the commandments. It's the 10th of the 10 commandments. And nothing will more quickly destroy a Christian's life as dissatisfaction with God's arrangements for him or her and lust for what God has not given or has given to someone else. Dissatisfaction, covetousness, and so see, Achan then stole the articles. Dissatisfaction, covetousness are internal, invisible failings, but they led to outward sinful actions. He stole, he hid the gold and silver, he lied. Listen to these words. That is always the way it is. We may sin in our minds and then, by the grace of God, be led to confess and repudiate the sin before we reap sin's consequences. But if we do not repent of hidden sin, it will inevitably break out into the open. Parentheses in the midst of this quote. As it did with Cain against his brother Abel, God said to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. There's something inside that's not good. There's something inside that's wrong, that's evil. It's crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. If we do not repent of hidden sin, it will inevitably break out into the open. And so this dreadful working out of sin should make us guard against even the most innocent dissatisfaction and covetousness. What caused Israel's defeat at Ai? Sin. What was it that led Achan to this act of disobedience? Discontentment, covetousness. And now, point three. What is the end of the story of Israel at Ai? The end is this. Blessing came to Israel when she dealt with her sin. Blessing comes to God's people once again when they deal with their sins. And so the last point is blessing came to Israel when she dealt with her sin. At God's command, we read that lots were drawn by which one tribe out of the 12 Jewish tribes was selected. Then one clan out of the numerous clans of that tribe 
followed by one family out of the families of that clan, and finally by one person out of the various people in that family. You talk about being awed at God. In the beginning, there were 600,000 men who, in a sense, lined up before the Lord. There's sin in the camp. 600,000 men lined up. God brought it down to the tribe of Judah. We're now down to 75,000 men, etc., 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 until it's Achan. And Joshua said to Achan, verse 19, Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And this is his reply in verses 20 and 21. It's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. (laughs) We are not able to sin against the Lord God and the Lord not see it. We are not able to disobey and somehow hide it from the knowledge of the Lord. We are not able to rebel and cover it over so that the Lord would never know about it. 600,000. Boom. Here's the one. God sees. God knows all. The story then continues in this way, verses 22 and 23. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. And there it was, hidden in his tent, with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out before the Lord. The stolen objects were displayed before the people, but even more so, they were spread out before the Lord. And then we read these words in verses 25 and 26. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks. The story ends with the people of Israel judging their sin. And after this, the blessing of God returning to them and Ai being destroyed. When when Achan disobeyed, the blessing of God stopped for the people. When judgment was applied, blessing returned and victory followed. Perhaps you are living a defeated Christian life. You know your life for Christ is so far, so far from what it should be. It's so weak. It's so poor. What could possibly be wrong? Probably sin. 
There is sin in the camp. And you haven't been dealing with it. If you will deal with it, then God will bring back the blessing. If you won't, then God will continue to judge you until you do. We need to take sin seriously, every single one, and we need to judge it, confess it, hate it, turn from it, and make sure that we are dedicated to the Lord. Peter sinned in denying the Lord Jesus. He hated it, and he went on to experience the blessing, the rich blessing of God. One more application. This past year has been something in our nation, hasn't it? COVID-19, political unrest, riots, fires, floods, hurricanes, homicides, disrespect for authority. Could we be seeing the judgment of God for our sins as a nation? I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. But if you would press me and say, make a guess, I would say, I think so. I would say, I think God's judgment is upon us right now. Well, if it is, what should we do? Here is step number one. And no, it's not go to the polls and vote. Deal with the sin in your life. Ask the Lord to show you your personal disobedience and judge it. Confess it, hate it, get rid of it, live for him. Step number one, let a turning to God begin with us. To review what caused Israel to fall, to be defeated, sin, what led Achan to sin, discontentment, covetousness. What's the end of the story? God's blessing upon Israel when Israel judged her sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do take uh, sin lightly, at least at times, no doubt many times. For myself, for all of us, we ask you to use this message in our lives so that uh, your blessing might continue to be poured out upon us 
and you would be glorified in our lives and in our homes and in our church. We uh, remember from last week that we said that the things we read in Joshua are not just history, but they're there for you to teach us spiritual truths. And so teach us, Heavenly Father, and uh, teach us so that we do embrace and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.